Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, Matt Doran apologises to Adele, but maybe she should apologise to him. Even Ten admits there's a problem with the Bachelor franchise, and we announce the TV Industry Worker of the Year. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to our post-TV Black Box award show. I'm Rob McKnight and we'll talk about that a little later on and we'll actually also reveal the winner of the TV Black Box Industry Worker of the Year award. In the meantime, let's meet the team for one last time as we bring you the final episode of the year. Dun, dun, dun. A lot of uh, relieved people in television land at the moment <laughs> hearing that. Uh, Sarah Monaghan is beaming in for Flor- from Florida. Hey, Sarah. I am looking forward to sleeping in. It's 4 a.m. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to just napping all the way through. Whinge, whinge, whinge. Yes. (laughs) I love this very much, but I am looking forward to sleeping. (laughs) No, you are a real trooper, and I'm very grateful to you every time we get online and it's 4 o'clock in the morning where you are. I'm so thankful you do it. Hey, the viewer's advocate Steve Mulk is here as well. Hey, Steve. Hello, Rob. Hello, everyone. It's great to be back for the last time this year. I feel like I've been more out than in said the priest to the nun. I don't know. That's not even a thing. No, I like that. It's one of those years, Malkin. Uh, what I love is that you're looking forward to sleeping as when we usually do the podcast too. Look, it, oh, it's not that bad. I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not on like sort of baby nighttime bedtime stuff. Um, what I am looking forward to, and a big shout out to the uh, the person that left a comment on the TV Black Box, um, uh, you know, podcast um, page on, on Apple saying that I'm too woke. Well, buckle up, kids. This is my last chance for the year. Oh, Jesus. A lot of editing coming up, I think. Uh, I haven't read that review, I've got to say. Malk is too wild. Well, there you go. And Aaron Ryan is in Perth. Hello, Aaron. Hello, gorgeous people. And quick news, Rob. In the last few hours, Nine have amended their Christmas special, Christmas with Delta, to Christmas with Delta Goodrum. It took them that long to realise that Christmas (laughs) with Delta was a little unfortunate title in this particular moment. (laughs) That's classic. I love that. It's one yeah. of those things you wouldn't have thought about until someone has seen it. It's probably come up in some spreadsheet or the TV guides are about to go to print and they've gone, oh, hang on, hang on. You know. <laughs> it wasn't an issue in 2020. <laughs> no. All right. The ABC held their Upfronts event this week and while their video didn't have the glitz and glam of the commercial rivals, it did deliver in terms of content. Aaron, you watched the ABC Upfronts. What was your big takeout? 
Well, I think after reviewing the ABC highlights of 2022, it hit me how important the ABC really is. You know, whilst others are turning their back on Australian drama, ABC really does well in filling that gap in the market. After Taste and Fisk are back, so they're investing in Australian comedy. And who else would produce something like Old People's Home for Teenagers? Um, there's a whole heap of new kids and teenage content, um, which the commercials obviously steer clear of. So I think the ABC as a whole is probably more important than ever. Um, and of course you get it without interruption, without ads, without pulling the show halfway through a season because of ratings. I think they do a great job. So, um, really important to have the, all those ABC shows back next year. Malk, were you sizzled by the ABC upfronts? Oh, absolutely. And and I absolutely agree with Aaron that it, it rammed home the importance of the ABC on a number of levels, especially because it delivers next year already, and I'm sure there'll be more announced, five scripted dramas. That is exactly four more than seven and five more than nine. Mm. Like, um, that's and- outrageous that our commercial networks just to drop that ball entirely. Well, um, what I would say, Mulk, about that is that... Mm-hmm. Commercial TV goes where the dollars are. And we've got to be honest, an Australian uh, Australian drama has not been drawing audiences. Remember back in the day, Rob, and by back in the day, I mean like a couple of years ago when there was like rules where they had to create Aussie drama? Yeah. Remember that? Mm. Oh, where did that go? Hmm, COVID. Um, yeah. Conveniently just doesn't seem to have picked up again, does it? Well, we're still in COVID. Yeah, but it was only extended for a year, and that expires hmm, 31st of December 2021. <laughs> Are you saying the networks know something we don't? Well, look, I, I think, honestly, that it, as we talked about when it all came out in the first instance, we understood why the quotas were dropped, because it was just too hard in a COVID sort of landscape to be able to do it. Yet the ABC and SBS pushed on and made drama and proved that it could be done, as did 10, I want to point out. Um, so the challenge here is that they've just walked away from it and they because, like always, because they're not being made to do it, they're not going to do it. But they would if it rated and if it drove big dollars. But oh, I'm going to spin that it. around on you and say they would if they could green light something that they absolutely wanted to back and was written, you know, that they wanted to support and advertise and not just go, oh, here's a show, we've met a quota. Like, no. that's always the challenge in a quota scenario, always. They, the, what was that last Bevan Lee one did that they, they were really but excited back about? Back to the rafters. No, no, Between Two Worlds, I Thank think. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Between yeah. Two Worlds, which didn't hit. And really the only thing on commercial television that I can think hit big recently was uh, Halifax, wasn't it, with Rebecca Gibney when it came Ish. back. It did okay. I mean, the real challenge is Seven delivered what I thought was a cracking drama in RFDS this mm. year. That rated yeah. okay, did great in total TV numbers, uh, and they've dropped it like a hot potato. They're not intending to do it because it's it's basically the place-to-call-home problem. It's just skewing too old, um, um, which I would have thought was a bit outrageous. What about um, Amazing Grace? Oh, did that like get that picked did not up rate again? well. No, oh. that didn't rate well. I think if they deliver some stuff that people actually want to watch and it's good drama, people will come. There is some great stuff on Foxtel um, in terms of Australian drama and, um, uh, uh, yeah, with, with, with what's happening on Foxtel, you know, it's a great drama there. And But, they, so, you know, they rebooted Sea Change. That wasn't very good. Amazing Grace, you just mentioned, that wasn't that, wasn't that great. You know, so let's get some good drama. They'll come. Uh, of course, the it's all come. about having the goods, Aaron. But the problem is... 
uh, a drama is a big investment for a risk and little return when you can get a reality TV series that you might still put more money in, but you get a longer run and more bang for your buck. So, I, you know, in fairness, I understand why the networks are going down this path. But look, let's move on because it's been a tough week for Weekend Sunrise host Matt Doran after Sony Music vetoed a recorded interview with singer Adele after the company found out Doran hadn't listened to the new album ahead of the interview. After countless headlines, Matt apologised on air to the singer in an emotionally charged speech on Saturday morning. Now, I want to address something that's made headlines this week and something that I would like to apologise for. This is a story that has sparked a torrent of abuse and mockery from around the world. And if I'm being honest with you, the bulk of this savaging I deserve and I totally own. I flew to London to interview Adele, an unspeakable privilege and what was to be one of the highlights of my career. I made the terrible mistake of assuming we weren't to be given a preview copy of this album because our interview was airing before it was released and Adele's album was the industry's most prized secret. The day after, after we landed in London, an email came through from Sony. It didn't mention Adele, but it did contain a link to her album. The genuine, dead set, hand on heart truth is that I missed it. By an absurdly long margin, the most important email I've ever missed in my life. The interview itself, Adele didn't walk out, it ran over time. At least half of the interview focused squarely on the new music, that I thought it was reductive to describe it as simply being about divorce, that it was about empowerment and would inspire people to summon the courage to steer their lives in a new direction. We spoke of the paradox that is being the world's most famous artist but hating fame. We also discussed at length the concept of pure artistry, the majesty of Adele's voice, what it must be like to hear that sound come out of one's own mouth. How Go Easy On Me was conceived in part by singing a cappella in the shower and how the album helped repair her relationship towards the end with her now late father. Throughout the 29 minutes, Adele was profound. She was funny. She was raw. And then she was honest. Honest enough to describe her depression as end of the world stuff. But all that doesn't matter because by missing the album link, however I might try to justify it, I've insulted Adele. To Adele, I say, I'd never have knowingly disrespected you by deliberately not listening to your work. I am so sorry. I also apologise to Adele's Australian fans and to you, our viewers, who through my error have been denied this interview and the insight into her character. Adele, track 10, hold on, in the bridge after the second chorus, you write that sometimes forgiveness is easiest in secret. I'm not expecting that forgiveness, but I do owe you an apology. Thank you so much for joining us this morning here at Weekend Sunrise. That's all for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Sarah, this is outrageous. Adele is being completely obnoxious here. He gets an email that doesn't even mention Adele, but he's supposed to know that's a link to the magical track, that ha- the, the, the album that hasn't been released. This is bullshit. The fact that this guy's been dragged through the mud like this over not hearing a, uh, an album he didn't think he'd been sent... Give me a break. P- 
call your finger out, Adele. You can fix this tomorrow. You, whatever the whatever the music Jesus company says, Christ. all Adele has to do is say, "Oh bloody hell, give him the music," or however she speaks. I don't know. I mean, well, how many times are we taught? Now. What the hell was that? <laughs> that was another one of my bad accents. <laughs> but how but, many times are we taught not to click links in emails that don't tell you what uh-huh. they are because that's a security breach? Oh, so here's good. an email, yes. random link. Because my husband watched the thing, Matt's apology, and both of us were like, "She's a fucking singer." Like, I get she's a great singer, but it's still just, it's its an album launch. It's not like he forgot the nuclear launch codes while he was going to visit some, like, I mean, yeah. people were just losing their mind, sending him death threats and stuff, and it's like, it's fucking music. Like, I get that it's music and it's Adele, but she's she's not the most important person in the world. You're not meeting the Pope, you're not meeting the Dalai Lama, you're not meeting a head of state, it's a singer. And for people to lose their mind and force him to do this, like, stupid grovel, especially oh, when the whole world... this was a grovel to the music company, let's be honest. Yeah, this was and, them like, saying, the, Please the, the whole the deal was stupid anyway because everybody has already seen the Oprah Winfrey interview. Even if they didn't see the whole thing, they saw all the best bits before Seven was even going to get it. So the whole thing was just stupid. And then, yeah, he missed it. But, like, when I did my book tour... I had no expectations that people had actually read the book before I did the interviews. And I did 60 interviews. And I, like, I was always surprised when someone had actually, like, read it. <laughs> and, like, some people had obviously, like, had their assistant go through and bookmark important pieces. And other people had not read it at all. And the whole thing was they came with no expectations. And they just said, you know, like, tell me about the book, you know. And I didn't care because... I'm just a fucking writer. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not that important. So, like, for someone to lose their mind, and especially for the public who have no interest in it whatsoever, to be sending death threats to a journalist because he didn't listen to the album beforehand, and it was a fucking awful album anyway. Like, I listened to it. Oh, that could I, get us like, banned from the internet. That I don't care. Like, I listened to it, and Matt walked in. He's like, what the fuck are you listening to? And I'm like, it's the Adele album that apparently this guy missed. And he's like, he didn't miss it. So um, it well, was well, like, Sarah, it wasn't. I think, I think when it comes to Matt Doran, I think the Twitterati have a different point of view. And for oh, that, God. we go to Mulk. Hello, Mulk. <laughs> Holy shit, Rob. Um, I mean, I'm not sure where to start, whether it's your rant filled paragraph of a question that led into Sarah or whatever. Firstly, Adele didn't send Matt the email. Right? That was obviously one of the people Nobody's inside Sony Music. saying she did. Mate, the way that your intro set it up made it sound like it was her fault that everything happened. No. I mean... Uh, no, no, I didn't get that. I said... Well, maybe have she, a listen back. My, specifically, I said she could fix this. It is the record company that has made this decision. We know this. But she could sure. fix it like that. Right. And and so why is she not then, if, it, if that's the theory? Why is she not? I don't know. So, I mean, we might never hear it, we might hear it, whatever, and it'll be certainly Seven have got a, a pre-built PR campaign for if they do get it now, you know, the, the, the interview you've been waiting to hear and mm. see and whatever. There's no question that the only two words missing from that apology from Matt Doran was Dear Sony. Because um, that wasn't to <laughs> Adele, that wasn't to Adele's fans. That was effectively an on-air beg to give them the interview that cost seven, along with the, the special, but cost seven a million bucks. Yeah, great. Um, that's a lot of money to piss down the toilet. Um, and I don't know about you, I don't think any of us, even Matt Doran, can afford that. Um, but was it, he told beforehand it was a condition of this whole thing that he had to listen to the album? Does it matter? 
Like, well, if it was, the, he would have listened to it. The simple well, fact say is, you, you send an email that doesn't even say Adele's new album, like doesn't even say the word Adele. Well, we don't ex- know that that's not what it said or it didn't say. Hang on. That's what he's just said. He said there was no mention of Adele in the email. I call bullshit because there is you no way that it that wouldn't have been. Because Sony can easily come out and say, hang on, Matt Doran, here is the email. It sure. clearly says Adele. He's Sony a in the prime position here. Why would they disingen- want to do that? Hang on. I think it's really disingenuous to call him a liar, which is what you have just done. Sure. And, look, I have it on good authority that he missed the email, right? That's just what it is. He just he missed, he missed the, the email. email. Yeah, yeah. So but what's there but have you're been a lot saying of people that, that he has just lied in that apology where he said that the word Adele was not in the email. I never once said that he lied, Rob. I, I never once said you that he lied. Bullshit. I'm saying that there is no chance, no chance that that email didn't mention Adele at all. No chance. So you're calling him a liar? I'm saying that he has been fast and quick with the truth. So you're calling a journalist no, I'm not calling a him a liar. And just, well, this bounces back to the, 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 the is it a condition of talking to her that she, he's listened to the, to the album? Any journalist worth their salt would have listened to it. Any journalist worth their salt would have asked, can I listen to it before I speak with her? It's it's you know journalists what? actually That's have to do so work naive and research. To say that you're getting really. This interview. He yeah. sat on a plane for what twenty something hours. But he Could said he didn't get the, the email, email until, until after he, he had been. This album wasn't publicly mm. available, Mulk. It was the biggest kept secret. And sure. if you listen to what he said, he said it that email came the day after, so it didn't come while he was on the plane. It wasn't sure. there when he arrived, got off the plane. It came the day after and made no mention of the name Adele. He didn't find out two minutes before he got on the plane that he was getting interviewed Adele. There is no question you would yeah, have said, if I'm going you over say there... You should have listened to the album. If they don't send him a preview the of the album, The whole point of the interview that? was about the album. Why would you not want to listen to it beforehand? The whole point. But nobody's saying he didn't want to listen to it. He assumed because they hadn't sent it to him that they weren't giving him a preview copy, which, considering the security around that album, is not an absurd thing. And the interview was obviously going to be about her life with a promo in, you know, in there during the final cut package about the new album, which he would have heard by the time the interview aired. What does it cost to ask? Uh, when you, you know paid a million dollars. I love it. Everyone's a genius here, aren't they? Everybody knows. Oh, if I'd been interviewing her, I would have asked for the interview. You know what? I call bullshit now, Mug, because that I, is bullshit. You I know, can like, only lean on the commentary that I've seen from people who have done music journalism and have said, I would have asked, and it would have said, this is Adele's album. Well, bully for them. Aren't they Wait. geniuses? If they've never made a mistake in their life, hip, hip, hooray. I'm not well saying done. he didn't make a mistake. Mistakes happen. This is an expensive public mistake. It's, this right? is a career-destroying thing that people well, are trying to not, pin on Well, clearly not because he's still him. got his gig. Yeah, but let's be honest. People are trying to destroy his career with this. I'm Why? not trying because to destroy Because Twitter just loves taking down people. Mate, like it's sim- not a Twitter thing. It's it not a Twitter, a Twitter thing. thing. News services all over the world picked up this story, and it wasn't because of Twitter. Well, here's the thing. The abuse that he's received has been very much on Twitter, and the simple fact is you're saying you don't believe what he's saying, that the word Adele wasn't mentioned in the email. That's a bloody big statement for him to make publicly if that's not true. Big statement. Absolutely it is. But he's also trying to get back an interview that 
as we've talked about, and it's not a direct connection, but this is where the, the words are rolling, cost the network a million dollars. Yeah, but, mate, if he's lied in that apology, he really ain't going to get that interview. Well, we'll uh, see, won't we? I think the big issue, though, is, I mean, Matt Doran has obviously said that he's, he's made an error, he's apologised yep. for it. I think the biggest story seems to be the blowback from that and with the with the record company going, boo-hoo, you know, b- because you didn't listen to the album, you're not having the footage now. Um, you the know, record whole, company haven't whole, made a whole, statement. For a whole 30-minute interview or Adele won't release or whatever it is, the people on their camp won't release the uh, the thing because Matt Doran didn't listen to uh, listen to the album. I think that's over the top. It's definitely over the top. Mm, I agree. My favourite part was everybody directing hate at the other Matt Doran. Yeah, they thought that they were so superior the, the, and they were sending the messages who, to the wrong guy. All the ones who get their facts right attack the yeah. wrong Matt Doran. Hilarious. Yes. Bugger. ABC's Matt Doran, mate, you copped an absolute hiding for no reason. I just want to make it clear, Rob, that I'm not trying to add to the pile on a mat. And anybody that sends no, I don't you think know, you are. messages I... of hate um, over a buggered up interview, mate, have a good hard look at yourself. It doesn't matter what platform you use. That's just outrageous mm. and has no place, honestly, in our society. Adele's a great performer. I refute some of the claims he made in his apology. She's not the biggest artist in the world, but, you know, like we said, he wasn't apologising <laughs> to us. He was apologising to Sony Music. Um, I, I, it will be great, I think, if, if Sony do release the vision um, so that we can see the interview, so that all of this can be put to bed, because now it's just going to be that little magical thing hanging over Matt until it happens. Oh, look, if you Sony... The best thing you can do now is release it because mm. Seven will get another bite. They'll get big ratings and you'll get another p- big publicity push and it won't all get lost in the wash. You know, That 29-minute like this... interview becomes an hour-and-a-half special. Yeah, and people around the world will want to play bits of it too to for see sure. what all the fuss is about. This is actually a goldmine for Sony. All right. There's been a shake-up in the first-run rights to The Simpsons. As Aaron exclusively reports on the TV Black Box website, the show's 33rd season will first screen on Disney Plus for subscribers instead of airing on Seven Flicks. Seven have confirmed the news that Disney Plus has acquired exclusive rights to new episodes. The network still retains rerun rights of older episodes. Aaron, I've got to say, this was a good get, and it speaks volumes on how important content is to the streamers. Yes, um, it's absolutely clear that Disney want to have exclusive rights uh, to their programming in Australia. So Disney have not just taken The Simpsons back, but they also previously have taken back Grey's Anatomy and Station 19, which was screened on 7 as well. So it is possible that we'll see other Disney content leave free-to-air and Foxtel in the future. Um, Disney obviously want to have that point of difference and having exclusive content on their platform is important and it's and it's necessary, um, quite frankly. I can also reveal, just for animated fans, that Family Guy and American Dad are absolutely safe. They won't be leaving seven. Uh, 911, 911 Lone Star and The Resident will continue to air in 2022 with their latest seasons. Cool. All right, Channel 10 head honcho Beverly McGarvey has acknowledged issues with the Bachelor franchise after a year of season lows. Speaking to Media Week, she acknowledged a lot of work needs to be done on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Mulk, that feels like the understatement of the year, doesn't it? I know. What? It's, it was such a nothing story because everyone was like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> like, honestly. Um it will be really intriguing to see what becomes of The Bachelor and Bachelorette in 2022. Um, I, I thought it was interesting in the story that they talked about getting back to the 
the heady days of, of the franchises when they rated well. And I did have to cast my mind back and go, when was that? Yeah. <laughs> it's never been the gangbuster, but it's had a lot of buzz. But here's mm. the problem for 10. Seven, with My Kitchen Rules, it, it was dead buried, right? They took yep. it off for a year. They're bringing it back next year mm, in a yep. revised format. Now, look. We'll wait and see whether that works or not. Yeah, we'll have to see for sure. Depending what happens, I actually think it absolutely could work. The problem for 10 is they don't have enough product to be able to take those two franchises off for a year. The best thing 10 could do is kill off the Bachelor franchise for a year, possibly two years, and then bring them back when we've all, you know, had a refresh from them or had a break from them. But 10 can't do that. Ten are struggling to fill their whole 52 weeks of the year or 50 weeks of the year as it is. So there's no way they can get rid of them. When she says we have some work to do, that means we have to find another way of trying to get suckers in. The problem is how do you do that? You just tried the whole bisexual thing. You, you, you know, like any celebrity that wants to do it has pretty much done and, and that could be a way. We know the Sophie Monk series did really good business. So where do you go, Aaron? Well, I guess shows like The Block find ways to reinvent themselves and stay on air. The, but The, the Block ba- went off air for a few years, didn't it? Yeah, well, right. I'm not sure it had a big break, but uh, The Bachelor is up to season 26 in America, um, which starts next month. What can 10 do? I think you pretty much covered it. Rest the show for a year or two, do the celebrity-type versions, do either The Bachelor next year or The Bachelorette, and then swap them in 2023, move mm-hmm. the show to 8.30 as a lead-out from one of their other tent poles, do a gay male Bachelor, or yes, do the whole grinder in- no, thing. No, that's not going to work, mate. We've just axe seen the show bisexual female bachelorette didn't rate. Uh, do you think Australia's going to accept a, a gay bachelor? Not going to well, happen, I mean, that, that is And completely- they'll be scared off to do it. I mean, that is a completely different way than, than the bisexual female. I mean, we haven't had that kind of show before. I'm not saying that I agree with any of those suggestions, but 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 they, they are the options that 10 have on the table sure. at the moment. They could. I don't know what's best, though. They just make too big a deal out of Brooke being bisexual, yep. honestly. Right from the intro right through the finale, the world's first groundbreaking bisexual bachelorette. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, dude, you know what they should have lent Every more girl is made into? out with another girl. Like, but what they should have no. lent more heavily into was the fact that she was Indigenous. And it got – it was – it was respectful in the way they included it in the opener, and that was the last time they mentioned it. Do you know what? Um, I, I, I still think that's the wrong thing. Go with the content. And her race and her sexuality are secondary, right? Except this is when where, it's all about love, Rob. But here's that's well, the sexual. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. But here's the thing. When we talk about um, diversity on our screens, mm-hmm. what we need to consider is you can't just do – things to tick boxes it still has to be the most entertaining person it still needs mm-hmm. to hit the marks that draws viewers in oh, diversity for the as. sake she was dull that's the problem well there you go right diversity for diversity's sake will not work people are not going to watch something because it's diverse they will watch something because it's entertaining if she happens to be indigenous then great happy days work it that way but It's why I'm concerned about Heartbreak High on Netflix. That seems to be a commission for the sake of saying we're being diverse. But the original cast was diverse. Yes, but it was different then. When 
when the ABC did Heartbreak High back in the day, diversity on our screens was something very different. The stories in the um, western suburbs were not being told on television. Sure. Today, the idea of diversity, to, especially to a younger audience, is not considered uh, revolutionary. So it should be reflected as their reality so that they can relate to the, the characters maybe. Yes, but what Which I still haven't doing. heard, but, but here's the problem. What I still haven't heard when it comes to Heartbreak High is what is the hook? The only hook I've heard is about diversity and a diverse cast. I have not heard what the storyline is, and this might be the greatest production on, in the history of the world. Sure. It's but not what I'm be. saying sure. is that in the commissioning and all the blurb about it, the only thing I've heard as being told why I should watch it is because of diversity. Yeah, whereas something like sex education is completely diverse, but they don't focus on that. It's just about the storyline. Correct. And dare I say, that's what Heartbreak High is going to be because that's what Heartbreak High largely was. Yes, there was diversity storylines because, as you said, back in the day, that was indeed a new thing and needed to be reflected. Now it's just going to be accepted that the cast is diverse. Anyway, that's not even back where I need to be. If Miss McGarvey would like to call me, I'd happily <laughs> speak to her about how she can use those 50 precious hours of primetime television and get far better ratings than the 250, 298 that she got. Oh, Malk, I don't think there's anyone better in this country that can run a television station than the people at 10. They obviously know what they're doing. I politely disagree. If they want to they set themselves <laughs> apart, there is 50 hours of incredible drama opportunities or new programming or comedy or variety or you name it. There's a whole bunch of stuff to drop into that. All right. The official survey year has come to an end and both 7 and 9 are claiming the number one title. Seven has won in total people, and nine has claimed 25 to 54, 16 to 39, and everyone's favourite, Grocery Shopper Plus Child. Aaron, what are some of the key points here for the two winners? They Look, they both have a good story to tell. Yeah, well, look, this seems to be the year of demos versus total people, which is uh, obviously mm. very convenient in the fact that nine have lost the total people crown to seven in network shares with or without the Olympics and in five city metro. Um, but there's two schools of thought here, and I mentioned this some time ago. What the viewers at home consider relevant is different to what a network thinks is important and also what an advertiser thinks is, is important. So from a viewer perspective, and who we are, you know, part of our audience at TV Black Box, they generally care about total people. They're just yep. interested to know what the masses are watching in Australia. And this year we've all yep. come together and watch shows like The Voice and Married at First Sight and The Block and Australian Survivor, etc. I think it's a fair point that Seven can claim that more people watch their network than Nine. I mean, that's a big deal. It doesn't matter the age. More people watch Seven. More people watch Sunrise than Today. More people watch um, The Morning Show than Today Extra. More people watch Seven News than Nine News. But from an advertiser point of view, a mobile phone company may want to target young people specifically and not just a general mass of people. And so Love Island might be perfect for them. Um, obviously, Coles and Woolies obviously like to sponsor with shows like MasterChef because they can hit specific targets. But then the network wants to attract those advertisers and wants to be number one. So whilst Love Island is great for advertisers, it may not have done what Nine wanted it to do at 8.30pm with less than 200,000 viewers. Uh, in total, even though the demos were high. So also, if a show is a big demo performer, but low in total people, that will affect the overall night ratings, and it doesn't matter what nines say, they don't want to have to be second-place shares every night of the week. So 
everything has to be put in perspective. Seven wins total, people, network, um, including and excluding the Olympics, 85 City Metro and National. Nine wins uh, total, people, primary by a very small margin. And nine wins the demos, uh, excluding uh, two weeks of the Olympics. So le- legitimately, nine and seven have something to crow about. Where does that leave 10? What was their story? Because I thought I saw something. <laughs> Let's not go for there. No, no, I'm not, I, and I'm not being smart-ass when I say this, but I thought I saw something where they were claiming gains or something like that. Uh, I didn't pay too too much attention to the 10 one, only because they haven't got too much to crow about. But I, mm. did, I did mention, I think it was last week or the week before, that Sunday to Thursday, 7.30 to sort of 9.30 in that, in that space, they actually have done quite well all year because they do have great um, 8.30, 9pm shows. Like, have you been paying attention to the cheap seats? That's Goggle the Fox, revolution. Which, we, we've, we've talked about that, and they have done well competitively with Cele- Celebrity MasterChef, with MasterChef um, and what else, the Australian Survivor they've had this year, the Masked Singer. They, they actually are quite competitive against seven and nine, but it's all the rest of their schedule that lets them down. So they probably should just crow about individual shows that, um, you know, throughout the year. We are in a position where everybody won again. Um, it's not the first year that demos have been important. I just want to point that out, that Seven and Nine have been talking about and, and openly competing for the demos for the past two or three ratings years. I think this is um, the first year people like us are really accepting the demos argument, and this is because this happened before we got to the final results, so this isn't trying to support mm. Nine or anything like that. This is a case of... All the networks have been making the argument about demos and I have been a traditionalist saying I really only care about total people. Demos is a side sure. story. This was the first year I started to appreciate the idea of the demos and when I spoke to James Warburton uh, uh, last week, um, I said to him, what is more important, demos or total people? And he gave me the best response. He said, revenue. Yep. And where does that come from? Not total people. That's the challenge, right? And that's the challenge that Seven face. They, they Absolutely, their share increased this year commercially at the cost of 10. Um, set, at the cost of nine a little, but absolutely at the cost of 10. Their share uh, has diminished significantly again. Um, the, 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 the support of demos is really important, and we even have a new mix in this, right? Because just saying total people... Fine, but are we saying total people overnights, total people con seven, total people con 28, or what? Like, where are we playing into that? Then we have to throw in total TV, which is a new metric that's come out of the whole virtual Oz stuff that's launched this year. And we've seen how important that metric is to not only drama, but a whole bunch of other programming. Uh, And to just circle back, I want to remind you, Aaron, that um, while the broadcast numbers may not have been great for Love Island, it has absolutely smashed it in the catch-up and nine-now streaming numbers, blitzing everything else every night it's been on. And that's the point of Love Island Australia for Channel 9. That's what they were doing it for. Um, so Yeah, the, the, I, I don't think it performed as strongly as they wanted, though, on Lydia. Oh, I'm because sure they would I mean, to see it I, have, I, saw sure. the, I, I saw the ratings, you know, 150% increases on some nights. I mean, it was huge with Total TV. I absolutely agree with that. But it was bringing down their shares. Um, that's why they had to move it to 9.30. Um, mm-hmm. it, I don't think it did what they wanted it to do uh, in that 8.30 slot. They still have to – it still does affect their o- overall shares on li- on linear TV o- overnight. Every network would love to do better at 8.30, even 10, who currently are the ones doing best at 8.30 most nights. Um, 
the audience just isn't there full stop. 10 are leading the way at 8.30. They're really showing there is a market there and it is helping them have a better story. And I know, look, we're seeing the 100 with Andy Lee going to that time slot. I still, and, and you know, I, I've said this publicly, I've said it privately to executives, I do believe there should be stripped programming uh, at 9 o'clock, Monday to Thursday, uh, a panel slash newsy slash entertainment type show that people just always know is there. Welcome but, to our uh, regular podcast within a podcast section yeah, where Rob no, reminds sorry. us that variety should run stripped every you know four or five nights a week. No, I understand, Rob. I do get it, and I think there would be a benefit to it. Um, the challenge that we face, again, friends, is this commercial V all five free-to-air networks because while commercial is where the money is and that's what we look at, when we talk total people, I think, to be fair, we need to include the ABC and SBS because they are there competing for total people like everybody else. And while SBS are in small part competing for the demos, the ABC are not. They are simply reporting that this is what we get in those situations because, bingo, no advertising. Um, we also aren't going to get the full picture until 28 days after the 31st of December when sure. the Con 28 numbers are in. And by then, as we know, the ship has sailed and blah, blah, blah. But that's the real number. That's the thing that everyone's going to be talking about. All we're getting now is fish and chip wrapping. Yes, but it's about building a perception and perception is important when for the networks when they're trying to sell to viewers, yep. but more importantly, to advertisers. Sure. All right, it's time for Hatches and Dispatches. With Sarah. Acclaimed actor David Dalatingu has died aged 68. Dalatingu had key roles in Stormboy, The Last Wave, and worked with Rolf Deheer in The Tracker, Ten Canoes, and Charlie's Country. The ABC's Chief Digital and Information Officer, Helen Clifton, has been named one of Australia's top three technology leaders by CIO Australia as part of their annual CIO 50 Awards. Rebecca Madden, co-host of Weekend Today and Australian Ninja Warrior, has departed Nine after five and a half years with the network. The Herald Sun has reported that Madden and Nine were unable to reach terms for a new contractual agreement. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, we will announce the TV Industry Worker of the Year. It's an additional award left over from the TV Black Box Awards. Plus, we'll find out what everyone's been watching. You're listening to TV Black Box. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, the Seven Network has walked away the big winner at the TV Black Box Awards, claiming 12 out of 20 awards. Scooping the pool in the breakfast and morning time slots with the front bar also proving popular with audiences. Raymar won Best Actor ahead of Nicole Kidman with the ABC and 10 also taking out several awards. Aaron, did you agree with the winner's list? Yeah, I, th I think pretty much. Um, it kind of reflects the, the ratings and the social, you know, what, what's happening within social media. I think mentioned before, Sunrise, um, 
you know, has won the year against today. They won. Have you been paying attention? It's hugely popular. The morning show wins its slots. They won. Better Homes and Gardens is the number one lifestyle show. And Australian Survivor is, is you know, really popular and on social media. And everyone's saying it's it's one of the best ever seasons that, that aired this year. So I think it reflected what the viewers are watching. So mm. I think so. But yeah. I, I do know that Rick Arden and Susanna Carr in Perth were not in there with the nominations, hugely disappointed. But that's um, <laughs> Perth being robbed by being a smaller audience, of course. Well, they were in the first round of nominations, but yes, you're right, they didn't make it to the final round. <laughs> and, and look, I've got to say, um, there, <laughs> there were a few issues on the night, but I really want to say that um, there were essentially three of us putting this show to air. It was myself and my wife in our Gold Coast garage, and I had a She was very in- patient with you. <laughs> yes, she was. Yes. Yes, she, she was. Um and we had a mate in Sydney who was putting the show out. So how we were doing it, we because the nominations, the final voting closed at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern uh, Daylight Time, we were shooting all the segments ahead because the reason we weren't doing it live was we were allowing people to get online because when you're using Skype and technology, someone always has an issue. So rather than try to deal with that in a live environment, we were turning it around. Unfortunately, um, you know, Abby Mickelson was meant to be here, but she went and had brain surgery. And Loser. She's in Sydney recuperating. <laughs> and she's, she's on our Zoom call tonight. But it just shows you um, there's a couple of things. I needed a few more days and I have a full-time job now. Uh, I didn't have Abby. I didn't have Robbo. And so, you know, it was death by a thousand cuts. Having said that, I actually think we pulled off something that was all right. And uh, it, I, you I thought... You put in some amazing people. Oh, a great guest list. I was really, really grateful to the people who uh, said they'd do it. Rob has no more favours. No, <laughs> I'm out of favours. You're right. <laughs> I'm totally out of favours. But uh, I'm very thankful for everyone who voted, thankful to the people who contributed. But, yeah, it was a, it was a big night w- with three people trying to do that whole thing. And as you guys can see, the... Uh, full-length chroma key screen behind me that created that virtual set, which was, I thought, <laughs> that set was amazing. It cost me 25 bucks to get it. That Jesus. set <laughs> was wow. a $25 um, buy online. You, you can buy virtual sets and it mm. integrates into vMix, which is the system See, we use. But now all the award ceremonies are going to be like, we don't need to spend millions of dollars to put on the Oscars or the Logies or whatever. Bucks. We can just buy a green screen and have people zoom in. Yeah, but what they need to no. do is is spend a couple of hundred thousand on Rob McKnight to make it work. I've got to say, Rob, I was really surprised, $25 for that virtual studio. It really looked like it was worth at least forty nine ninety nine. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, look, let's get to the important part. Because with everything going on, we weren't able to bring you the TV industry worker of the year. And so I thought we would make that announcement tonight. Great. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So let me take you through the nominees. First up, Brendan Donahue from Nine News. Brendan is one of the many cameramen who capture the news events of the day you see in the nightly news. But what makes Brendan a standout is his dedication and mentorship he brings to the role. He's one of those guys who always goes the extra mile to get the shot, works those extra hours to get the exclusive, and takes the time to teach those coming up through the ranks. As one co-worker said to me, he is revered in the newsroom. Likeable, reliable, and a good bloke to boot, Brendan is a trusted colleague who doesn't just work at nine, he's part of the culture. 
But next up, we have Lauren Poole, who works on Studio 10. I worked with Loz. Abby worked with Loz. Robbo worked with Loz, as did Joe Hildebrand, of course. He has sent through a message about how she makes a difference. Loz and I worked very closely together for many years on Studio 10, and yet, despite that, never invited me to her wedding. However, I've <laughs> moved past that, and I can tell you that she is one of the most professional, passionate, dedicated, smart, funny, intuitive uh, floor managers I've ever, ever known. She's the best boss day in, day out. Uh, she was able to wrangle a show that was often chaotic and crazy and do it all with a wry smile on her face. I'll never forget the day she just looked at me and said, Joe, you're such a scammer. I have to agree with those sentiments. She is one in a million and someone you can always rely on. Moving on, and Paul Walker at Seven News is a bloke who will help anyone and everyone. Paul is one of Seven's most trusted camos. His dedication to his craft is at the very core of who he is as a person. Loyal, passionate and a bloody good bloke, Seven is lucky to have a man like Paul on their team. Now, moving on for our next two nominations, I'm going to read out a note from our drama writer and former executive and friend of the podcast, Dan Bennett. He was going to come on tonight, guys, as you know, but he had an accident where he um, has hurt his back and he can't oh. be here. Yeah. Um, Gosh. So that guy can't win, mate. He's having a I shot know, there. I know. But he has written down some notes and I'm reading it from his point of view, okay? So first up... Here's what Dan had to say about Bevan Lee, who was nominated by Amazon Prime Video for Back to the Rafters. When I first joined the Home and Away team in September 2000, it hadn't even occurred to me that the incredible Bevan Lee would not only become my mentor, but a lifelong friend. From sons and daughters, Home and Away, All Saints, Always Greener, Pat to the Rafters, Winners and Losers, and A Place to Call Home, simply put, when it comes to storytelling on Australian television, there is no one better than Bevan Lee. Hmm, nice words. Also nominated for this award is Lucy Adario, the series producer on Home and Away for Seven. Dan continues, Coming back to Summer Bay after over 12 years since I left, I've got to be honest, it scared me a little. And then I met Lucy Adario, producer extraordinaire. For more than a decade, she has helmed what has been and is currently Australia's most watched drama series. With the kindest of hearts and a love for the show that knows no bounds, she quite simply is the beating heart and soul of the production. For this and so much more. Really beautiful words about great people. Yeah. All of the people here are really worthy of winning this award. In fact, they are just some of the extraordinary people working behind the scenes who make a difference to what we see at home, guys. But we have chosen the next two nominees as joint winners for this award. The next two people are not in roles the public would even know about, but their contribution to the industry year in, year out truly does make a difference. First up, I'll let Nine News Sydney presenter Peter Overton explain why Michelle Pike at Nine News is one of our winners for TV Industry Worker of the Year. 
Television awards presentations usually concentrate on the people in front of the camera, whether it's those delivering news and current affairs, drama, reality TV and so on. But there's a big engine room behind all of those productions. And the TV Industry Worker of the Year Award tonight goes to a person who really is a huge contributor to the engine room of a major organisation. This person has been in TV news for a long time and she gets us all around the world when we can travel, of course, whether it's the logistics of moving equipment to an event like the Olympic Games, keeping us visa up, keeping our passports up to date, just keeping us on the move, hassle-free. This person is a great contributor to the success of Nine News in Sydney. This person is our production manager, our executive assistant to our national news director and our Sydney news director, a terrific person to have in any newsroom and at Nine News Sydney. We are so lucky to have the TV Industry Worker of the Year recipient, Michelle Pike. Congratulations, Michelle. You know, I've worked with Michelle over the years and I have to concur with everything Peter Overton has said there. She is amazing and truly deserving of the TV Industry Worker of the Year Award, guys. But I couldn't just narrow it down to one. <laughs> Actually, I figured if we're only doing this once, let's give it to two people. So the other joint winner is Graham Donald, who runs the Primos Department at Seven. Now, look, I worked for Graham for many years at Seven and I'm sure... I reckon he'll be very surprised to hear that I've picked him as a winner for this award. But his passion and belief in Seven is palpable. Not only does he believe in the product, he helps sell it to viewers. His creativity has helped drive ratings. Now, look, I've always said it's the job of the promo to get viewers there for episode one, and then it's up to the show to keep them there. Well, Graham has shown many times he can get viewers to a show, and he has been a major contributor to the success of Seven. Congratulations, Graham Donald and Michelle Pike, joint winners of our TV industry worker of the year. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! I wish I'd got to do that on the broadcast, you know, or on the stream, you know, because these people deserve recognition. Absolutely, Rob. Look, there's lots of people that work behind the scenes, that work in positions that don't even get in front of a camera ever. Yeah. Um, as well as put in more than their fair share of effort to make sure that when the red light goes on, everybody is there and ready and everything is ready to go. And and that's some of the biggest part of television. It's great that everyone looks good. It's great that the people on, on screen have got the talent to do it. Um, it's such an important opportunity to uh, shout out and, and give some support to some of these behind-the-scenes people that do invaluable jobs. Yeah, people forget that, you know, if you see a, a TV production that has, you know, maybe five, ten people on screen, there's probably 50 to 100 behind the cameras who are pulling it all together. So people will say, I want to go into, into you know, the media industry, but they forget that there's more than just being a celebrity. Absolutely. Uh, and now that we've mentioned them, we'll never talk about behind-the-scenes people again. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. All right, now it's time to open the uh, TV sorry, binge box. Oh, Sorry, can yeah. I just add one more thing? Yeah. Look, I just wanted to say there was a genuine and real thought that with the Logies not being staged for two years and there was a, there was real disappointment um, that cast and crews were not being properly recognised through the, you know, obviously the awful pandemic where shows were still being made and content going to air. Uh, many shows would be ineligible by the time the next Logies, um, you know, comes about. 
So TV Black Box just wanted to show some recognition um, and love for the industry. If anyone has seen the presentation, um, and it's up on the front page now of the website, um, it is quality like real top quality presentation. I know it's a $25. We talked about having a $25 green screen thing, Chrome thing, but it was, it was better than like we could possibly ex expect. The packages were so slick um, and a number of stars dropped in to be part of it. Now, although it was a team effort, um, Kev, Mold, Dan Bennett, Abby, and also credit to Matthew Simmons as well, the absolute tireless amount of work that went into this was um, fronted by Rob McKnight. When Rob does something, he puts every bit of effort into it, and this turned out spectacularly. Um, if you're if you're watching it now, we we mentioned there was a couple of technical issues, but a lot of people have tuned in after the fact, um, due to the publicity on television on radio, and seeing the full telecast minus the technical uh, issues is awesome. So Rob, you put all your passion into this for no other reason than to show your love towards an unrecognised industry through the pandemic. So I just wanted to say, well done. Oh. Yes, well done indeed. Thank you so much. That's lovely work. Honestly, thank you. Um, yeah, I had when I had this crazy idea, there was concern, but you know, we just thought we're going to do this. Someone needs to step up, and I, I do know that. Um, uh, I think even TV Week acknowledges that they should have done something even online because the the industry's gone two years without proper recognition. We've done a little bit. We won't be doing it again. Um, you know, we'll let TV Week continue with the Logies and everything like that. But at least, at least we acknowledge 2021. So um, thanks to every and and, and I really got to say thank you to all the all the TV star presenters who came on the show. You're like, welcome. Sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> thank you, Sarah. <laughs> um, genuinely, I, I was really proud of the lineup of people we had, and that was all people just being uh, doing us a favor and, and you know when you think about it they still all got in their suits and, and dresses and all that kind of stuff they took it seriously and when we were shooting it we were having a laugh but we were taking it seriously one of the funniest times was um we were still recording with larry and ita popped up on skype and they had a little bit of a chat and larry said it really is like the logies so <laughs> <laughs> gosh I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Rob. Well, just the catch-up. That's what the Logies is all fun for, catching up with everyone. So. Always and every time, mate. Yeah, and uh, I, I think we're all looking forward to the Logies returning next year. All right, enough of that, though. Thank you, Aaron, for the kind words. It's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Mark, what have you been watching? Um, look, I've been keeping an eye on a few things, Rob. We, a lot of series have wound out. And uh, all wrapped up and done, but there's, oh, there's so much coming, goodness gracious. Um, I'm enjoying the problem with Jon Stewart on Apple TV. It's great to have Jon back on our televisions, even if it is only fortnightly or thanks to Thanksgiving, a month break between the last episode and the one that's coming. Uh, I highly recommend it. He takes a really deep dive look into some pretty serious issues that America is facing in only the way that he can uh, and is really self-aware that people will probably claim that he's just going to give you know, uh, uh, a politically uh, um, left view on things, and he does, and it's still good. Um, I'm enjoying Dope Sick, 
on Disney Plus as well, starring Michael Keaton. This is a drama about the rise and rise of OxyContin as a problem drug oh, in America. Yeah. It's brilliant drama and definitely worth the elevated price of admission now, by the way. Um, mm. It's $120 a year for your Disney Plus subscription, so just be aware of that. Um, Deep in Survivor, loving that on Nine Go. That's doing some good business. And I'm still enjoying, well, the last three episodes when we go to air of Gruen. That's just been another blinder series again this year. Couldn't and agree more. Hawkeye has been great as well. It's not as deep and as um, intricate as, say, WandaVision was earlier in the year, uh, but I'm really enjoying it as sort of something like good Marvel that's building up for the release of Spider-Man coming to our cinemas shortly. That's going to be fabulous. And Succession, my friends, the last two episodes are coming. Holy snapping duck shit. Mm. Um, It is so, so good. It's on Fox Showcase on Mondays. Do not miss these last two episodes because the seven we've had so far are outrageous. Mm-hmm. Sarah? We've actually watched a bunch of movies. So we watched Red Notice. Not Shameless. Huh? Yep. Yeah, we finished Shameless. We finally finished it. <laughs> um, so I won't give you the spoilers. Uh, he dies. Anyway, uh, Red Notice. Red Notice on Netflix. Oh, you better Netflix. be joking. Uh, yeah, so we watched uh, The Rock, and it was Ra- The Rock and Ryan Reynolds, which um, it was it was actually pretty good. And so then we had to watch Ryan Reynolds' wife in The Age of Adeline. Actually, I think we watched The Age of Adeline, and then we watched Red Notice. Anyway, uh, we watched Radium Girls, which is um, about back in the day when people had the glow watches um, and how they all got yep. cancer and how it changed everything, or how, like, big corporations covered it up and tried to pay people off and sweep it under Where'd the carpet. Where did you watch that, Sarah? Uh, it was either Amazon or Hulu. Um, I figure everything's different in Australia, like what they're on. So So we're talking about, because there are still people that subscribe to Hulu and you can't do that legally in Australia. So good luck to you. Okay. Um, we watched Layer Cake, (laughs) which was a pre-Bond Daniel Craig. Um, and he plays like a gangster. And apparently that was a movie that they looked at him and went, he should play Bond. Um, uh, we watched Cedar Rapids which had pretty much every comedian. It was a really old, like from like 2010 or 2011 or something. And it was like um, everybody who's everybody in American comedy was in this weird movie about um, insurance salesmen that go to the tiny town of Cedar Rapids, Uh, but it's a big city to them and they get into all kinds of weird shit. Um, And then we watched, like Matt found this documentary, The Witch of King's Cross, which was a documentary about uh, Rosaline Norton. It was weird. Yep. Um, that interesting. And then uh, we started season two of You, um, which is on Netflix, I think, because um, I know season three just came out, but we've only seen season one. So we started, we've started season two. And, of course, what would my life be without a few episodes of NCIS? <laughs> Jeez, you've just done a mulk list. Yeah. Hang I'm on. Bored. Wait, hang on. <laughs> Whoa, just because Sarah likes to watch some television? What? I had two weeks. That was two weeks worth because I didn't. we didn't have an episode last week, so that was two weeks. Fair enough. Uh, I haven't been able to watch too much TV because I was in <gasps> boxy prep, but I have been able to watch Doctor Who, and I am enjoying this season. There's been better episodes than others, but on the whole I'm enjoying it. Um, I watched my first James Bond movie. What? Which was Skyfall. Yeah. Wow. I've never seen Did you say James first Bond ever? Before. I've seen first ever. I've seen bits of James Bond. I've seen like um I've seen bits and pieces. Uh, I've seen 
um, you know, I remember I, I remember seeing a scene where he's floating in space with some woman and they're about to have sex or something like you that. You need to watch uh, Sean Connery Moore, wearing, like, a little onesie. It's a little jumpsuit. Like the... Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, Nine were airing Skyfall. And they were? my daughter just went, let's watch this, Dad. And I went, yeah, all right. So we watched Skyfall. It's got Adele. Um, and it's a great Bond film. Adele, yes. Adele, give Maddie's footage back. Um, <laughs> Thanks for listening, Adele. <laughs> Big fan of the podcast, I believe. Um, I also, because I was sitting in my office prepping the boxes, I was able to watch Love Actually and Notting Hill, which was on 9 oh, on Friday oh, night. The best. Or 7, was it 7 or 9? I think it was 9. Right. Yeah, and I've got to say, the if they best. did that every Friday or Saturday night, I'd probably watch it. Oh. Uh, and uh, I'm on the last season of Lucifer, and I'm really looking Ooh. forward to getting to the end of that. I feel like I'm just sort of trying to get through it now. I just want to jump in really quickly, Rob. I forgot to mention something that has consumed eight hours of my life in the last week. No, you've missed your chance. Aaron. <laughs> Go on, Mulk. <laughs> well, aren't we the bitch tonight, McKnight? Um, the Beatles, get back. Peter Jackson's oh. absolute love story. Uh, spoilers, mm. they break up, but not in the documentary. Um, it is a phenomenal tale it's of... It's like you try to needle me with spoilers. Every time. A phenomenal tale of the Beatles recording their last ever studio album and the story behind why they, you know, filmed those famous songs, that film clip for Get Back, on the rooftop of that Savile Row building. It's so great. I do not recommend you watch all three episodes back-to-back. Do not binge it. In fact, probably don't even try and get through each episode at once because they're at best two and a half hours each. Right. Um, They are big and long, and it's so great to just stop it, go away and think about it, Come back and watch a bit more. This is built for you watching it in five-minute increments, Rob. Hey, well, that's what I'll do then. <laughs> but so I'm good, watching, good them, that. watching them write, like, lyrics to songs that we now know verbatim that they were just mm. obviously making up on the spot. It's incredible to see their process and the tension that was bubbling along behind it, and it was not Yoko Ono. Interesting. I really do want to watch that one. Aaron, bring us home. Well, of course, I got to the end of uh, Genital Warts Island. Um, <laughs> the winner was the front runner, um, and apparently they're still together, so that's good. Um, I've watched uh, Tiger King 2, which is on Netflix. It's, yeah, it's nowhere near as good as the original, um, but, you know, I'm, it's only five episodes, so I'm, I'm ploughing ahead with that. I did watch the Adele One Night Only concert. Um, it, was, it was actually a really great concert, and... Um, I think Seven missed the mark a little bit. It would have been better if they had had an Australian presenter doing an interview, you know, sort of throughout the throughout the uh, <laughs> thing. But, um, you know, maybe next time, Seven. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, also, uh, the, you know, the backside of television ended on Monday. Yes. Um, my oh, top five television show SBS of the on year. Demand? You guys have been talking yes, you certainly about can. this and we ran the interview. Uh, yep. Go and have a look at that. Worth it. Yeah. Wasn't it, Aaron? It was so great. It was the best. Three episodes, but, I mean, I could watch 40 episodes of that next year. It's great. Also, and I think you pronounce it uh, Nitrum, which was on Stan. It's the life story of Martin Bryant, of course, who was the gunman of Port Arthur, the Port Arthur Massacre. Hard viewing, but it's about the lead-up to the event. It's not the event itself. So they don't try to glorify, you know, the whole shooting and stuff like that. It was about his life, so it was quite interesting. And the last one is... And it's great that this is the um, last episode of the year. We had this whole thing 
thing about He-Man because I was a big, big fan of the original series and, and I just hated it. And, and obviously Rob and Monk said they, they did like it. Yeah. Mm. What I didn't realise, though, was is that this is really bizarre. Netflix are actually showing two He-Man series. Yeah, yes. I meant to pick you up because you told Monk and I, He-Man, back and I went looking for the part two of this series and it wasn't there. Yeah, so there's 10 episodes of a series called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and there's 10 episodes called Masters of the Universe Revelation. Yeah. And they're not the same. Like They actually have different um, kind of animation, different voices, different yep. everything. Um, were, so, you watching, were you watching the other version, not Revelation? Correct. So, <laughs> so Revelation is Revelation's <laughs> great. That actually heralds back more to the original series and, you know, it's actually quite good. But I hated He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. But how bizarre of Netflix to bring out two... And actually, even the storylines were, were very similar, to be fair. They were, but Aaron, were you, Malk and I, after the episode finished, we had I think we had a 15-minute argument about it and you yeah. were, like, defending it. At no point did I realise you weren't watching the same thing. Yeah, but don't you find that bizarre though that Netflix would release two series of Confusing. He-Man? At yeah, the normally same, it would like, be Netflix it. and Hulu re- releasing, you know, like two different versions of Fire Island, you know. But even the storylines of the whole Teela thing was actually similar in in, in both series. But um, there we go. So I'm changing my mind sort of because I'm going to the other show, which is Masters of the Universe Revelation. I agree with Robert Mog. What a great. Uh, Are you changing series. teams, Aaron? <laughs> I changed scenes a long time ago, Mom. All right, that brings us to the end of our final episode of TV Black Box for the year. A big thanks to Rod Morris, who joined us for the first part of the year, and David Robinson, who will be joining us again next year. Uh, Aaron, Mulk and Sarah, the core team, thank you very much. It's been great debating with you, having arguments with you, and learning a few things along the way. And that's just this episode. That's right. <laughs> Does that mean we're not joining you again next year? Yes, this is me wrapping you up. Uh, (laughs) I'm following Rebecca Um, Madden wherever she's gone. A very big thanks to Abby Mickelson, who seriously, each week has been writing the scripts, preparing clips, and just has really helped us along the way. And that's why when she went off and got brain surgery and is still recovering... It was a big blow to the production of the TV boxies and we really missed you, Ab. So get better. We're all wishing you well and we look forward to a happy, healthy Abby Mickelson in 2022. And a big thank you to the people who support this podcast, from the TV executives to the people who work in the industry and just the TV viewers who get involved and want to know what's happening. We've appreciated all your support, all your feedback, the good and the bad. So thank you. Have a great Christmas and we'll see you in 2022. It's good night from McKnight. Yay, bloody kids get out of here. <laughs> Love you, Abby. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs>